Good morning, everybody. Thanks for viewing online with us via live stream. Be sure to share the links. We're on YouTube, we're on Facebook, and of course, our website. You can find us there as well. To you that are in the sanctuary, thank you for being here this morning. It's great to see each one of you. I know a couple people let us know that they were going to be out of town and they're traveling, so it's great. You know, I'm getting a crick in my neck, though. Because you all sit over here, and I always have to. So we've kind of like adjusted the camera and everything we do media-wise just for you. I want you to know that. I want you to know how special you are. So uh, again, thank you for joining us via live stream. A couple of things going on this morning. We're going to be celebrating communion. And so uh, towards the close of service, we'll be passing your communion elements out. And for you uh, viewing by live stream, uh, go ahead and plan to get your, your bread, your juice, uh, the elements that you would use for communion, have them ready to go, and that will be towards the close of service. Secondly, we're beginning a new series this morning entitled Faith, Foolishness, and Vaccines. All right? Now, you know just from the title, there's somebody you want to invite, isn't there? Okay? So I, I, want, you to, I want you to get online right now, fire off that link, or give somebody a call, invite them along. Also, if you have prayer requests this morning, here's what you do. Send them to us. Text them to this number, 720-878-3323. Could we stand? We're going to worship the Lord now. Our worship team is coming, and it's great to have Matt and Lisa with us. Carol is out this morning. Carol's here, but um, Carol's playing hooky this morning. She didn't want to sing. So anyway, I'm, I'm kidding, everybody. I'm kidding. I can tease her because I love her and we have a great relationship. You tease the people you love. Did you know that? All wives know that. <laughs> Matt and Lisa, rescue me, please, before I do something stupid. <laughs> uh, good morning, everybody. I'm not sure my mic is on. But, uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome, and we're glad that you're here this morning. I was um, thinking, interestingly, the title, something was already on my heart to talk about before we start, and um, the title of your, your, your series. Um, uh, there's been a lot of anxiety and stress. Uh, things seem to be escalating um, kind of repeatedly, like they escalate and then they go down and, they, uh, and there's this kind of cycle. And I don't really watch the news, but um, I get enough news through social media that I kind of can tell what's going on and I can feel uh, the tension and the anxiety that's mm -hmm. going on in our country and in the world, really. Um, and I think that we kind of carry that stuff with us. Uh, we don't have control over what's going on everywhere, um, but we feel the need to be in control. And um, when we are in a position where we don't have control and we feel the need to have control, it creates fear and it creates anxiety and it creates tension in our lives. Um, and it's something that, uh, it, it's very sneaky. It kind of comes upon you without even knowing. Um, and. It can kind of become a pattern in your life, and uh, you, if you allow that to continue to be part of your life, trying to be in control of what's going on in the world and things that you are not in control of. But we do know that God is in control, and uh, he does not control what people do in people's um, choices, but he does always make the outcome for good, and we know that we can trust him. So. Let go of all those things, all that anxiety that's uh, hanging over you, that stress that may be um, taking hold of your life and your heart and your mind, and uh, just let go of those things this morning and worship with us.
Here I am. All my intentions and all my obsessions. I want to lay them all down in your hands. Only your love is vital. Though I'm not entitled, still you call me your God, you don't need me, but somehow you want me, oh, how you love me. Somehow that frees me to take my hands off of my life and the way it should go. Oh, God, you don't need me, but somehow you want me, oh, how you love me. Somehow that frees me to open my hands up and give you
God, you don't need me, but somehow you want me. Oh, how you love me. Somehow that frees me to open my hands up and give you control. I give you control.
Father, we thank you for this time to release things to you, to trust you with our lives, and to worship you, Father. We love you. Amen. Thank you, Matt and Lisa. That was awesome. Well, my sweetie, would you like to come up? Okay. She's uh, going to come help me with our time of question. So before each uh, teaching, we have a question, topical, having to do with uh, the topic that we're going to hear about. And we solicit your engagement the way that you can do that. If you're here in the sanctuary, we bring you the microphone so that everybody can hear, including those that are watching by live stream. So we need to catch your voice over the microphone. For those of you that are watching by live stream, the way that you engage with us is to type your answer to the question into the Facebook chat or to text us at this phone number, 720-878-3323. All right, we're ready for our question. And actually, there are two of them this morning, so people can, people can respond to either one or both. And uh, start texting your answers as soon as something strikes your heart, okay? Would you do that? And here in the sanctuary as well. And you could text us as well. We wouldn't have to come to you with the mic if you'd rather. Uh, you can text us here in the sanctuary as well. Question number one. What defines a person of faith? What defines a person of faith? And question number two. Would your life be much different if you didn't or couldn't for some reason, have faith. Would your life be different if you couldn't, if you didn't have any faith? All right. Big questions. They're yeah. always big questions. They're always How big questions. How much time do you put into just preparing a question? Oh, probably about 90% of my preparation, 10% <laughs> on the message. Well, we'll see about that today. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's really, I mean, depending on your outlook on faith, that's a, that's a big question. Anybody mm -hmm. here have anything you'd like to say what you think about that? Again, what defines a person of faith? Or would your life be much different if you didn't or couldn't have faith? Yes, it would be. <laughs> Anybody? And I'm not seeing any, we're, we seem to be a little dark on our Facebook page today, not our normal group here. So anybody here have anything you want to add? Be bold, be strong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I always thought faith only had to do with God. And then I hear things like on TV of people talking about having faith and they're not talking about faith in God. So I find that quite interesting. You know, what occurred to me is that just the subject of faith, just the word, faith, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, people hesitate, even, even to say it, to mention it. Oh, I, I went to church. Oh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trusting God for something in my life right now. Or uh, I've been reading the Bible because I'm believing in faith for something great to happen in my life. It's almost like I'm a person of faith. Oh, there's that community of faith. Uh, this is faith legislation. It's like, mm, it's, it's just really 
almost anathema, and I think that speaks to the society that we live in, mm. that it's a, a very, there's a word I want to use for it, and I'll think of it, but it, it's just, it's interesting how much we've been dumbed down from a, um, a faith-centered, religious-centered, Christ-centered, Bible-centered uh, community and society to a holy uh, secular, secular society. So faith isn't something we talk about much. Okay, we have someone right over here. All right. All right, well, uh, this is going to be kind of nerdy, but since you have all the math on the screen up there. Um, so faith, uh, you have to have faith. It's impossible to not have faith because faith isn't just religious. Um, it's, it's belief in something that you can't see. Or So like my car is parked in the parking lot. I have faith that it's there, but I can't actually see it. It's not within my three dimensions. So I have to have faith that the bathroom is down the hall like it was last week when I'm not actually at the bathroom. So faith is what we build our entire construct of reality around. Right. Whoa. See? That, who knew that but you? Our well, math teacher. Yeah, it would take a math teacher to uh, just dissect it like that. Yeah, that's, that's good. Those are all good. Anybody about, out here? Something that I thought of was... I might have uh, defined faith in the past by um, faith that God was going to take care of me. Or wait, let me re rephrase that. Faith that God was going to make everything all right. Like take away all the pain, like take away all the problems. That's kind of more what I'm talking about. I used to think a part, that part of faith was that God was going to take away the problems. And now... I still have faith in God, but I have faith in God to see me through yeah. the problems, and not take away the problems and necessarily. Having, having faith in God didn't take away all the problems what was that? either. Having, faith, having faith in God didn't remove all the problems right, in right, our life, which right, is... Right. I think an early expectation yes, of yes, yes, of, of your Christianity when you start following yes. Jesus and you're and everything's so rosy. It's you know, it's kind of like the honeymoon time. <laughs> it you, is everything's no, so exactly. rosy and Jesus is wonderful and Jesus is still very wonderful and Jesus is my best friend and I do love Jesus with all my heart and I loved that song. I love I love I love His presence. I love you, Jesus. Absolutely, still top of the list. But it doesn't mean. We're never going to have problems. I think the analogy of a honeymoon is spot on. I think that's exactly what happens in our uh, journey of, quote, faith. Of any relationship, really. Here's an answer from Lewis. He says, we, and I'm sure this is in answer to the question, what defines a person of faith? We measure faith by the good works and the choice to be happy even in the storm. Hmm. That takes some faith. Oh, I got a hand. I got a couple of hands. I got, got a hand a and I got a wave. <laughs> All right. I believe that a person of faith, first of all, has to have hope. If a person has no hope, then there's no way that faith can come in. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance that things we cannot see you just read that from what scripture? 
that is chapter 11 of Hebrews. Mm -hmm. Thank mm -hmm. you. We're going to look at that verse. So we have hope that the bathroom is down the hall, according to Matt. <laughs> when you got to go, man, it better be there. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. Who else? Anyone else? So that's your, I think I, I, I might have messed things up. Yes, so I think I'm you sure might have messed things up. What are I you doing did. with my phone anyway? I know. Thank you. Oh, okay. Thank you. The New oh. Living Translation okay. was what Here's Jim just one. read, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith, how sure, this is what faith is, or a definition of it. How sure you are that you can depend on someone or something that will happen. That's a good point. You know, faith sometimes, uh, uh, let's see, I'm not thinking of the right word, but substitutes for the word trust. So like trusting you to do what you said you would do. Yeah. I have faith. That's what he's saying, that yeah. you would do what you said you would do yeah. or that something will happen. Mm -hmm. yeah. I like that a lot, and I think you're going to find out, whoever shared that, you're going to find out why in a little bit. A person of faith is someone who has the ability to keep on moving in spite of how bad things get. They mm. keep on just moving and working through Keep it. on keeping on, as yeah. they say. And how would my life be different? Oh, yeah. It would be much, much, much different. <laughs> Give us, like in what way? An adjective to describe it? it Darker, be, lonelier, it, it would happier? Be <laughs> It'd be horrible. Yeah, because faith has gotten me through a lot of things in my life. You know, through the bad times, the good times, it's just always my faith that everything will be better. So faith has gotten you through, okay? Oh, yes, yes. That's awesome. I love that. Anyone else? Are you, are we doing with my I'm phone? just checking your <laughs> chat window here, right? Yes. Isn't that the chat yeah, window? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I, I'm not very technical. I don't know. <laughs> okay, we were just going to ignore that one. All right, so Lewis says... We would have no hope to keep moving forward without faith in our life. Were you quoting what she said, more or less? Yeah. We would have no hope to keep moving. Got that out there for yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. I love the scripture. I, I, I used to know the exact, the address. Not, now I'm forgetting, but it's in Chapter and verse. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I think it's 2 Timothy 2.14. I don't know. Anyway, it says, even when... I have no faith left. left. He, remains he remains faithful to us yeah. and will not disown us because we are a part of himself. Mm. That is probably one of my most mm. favorite scriptures because of the rough times. That's when yeah. I really took on that scripture because I didn't know if I had faith to keep moving forward. Have we all been there where there's something has come up in our lives and I don't even know if I can keep moving forward. Let me just go hide my head in the pillow and the bed and yeah. sleep for five days or worse, you know. And, but uh, even when I have no faith left, he remains faithful to us. I'm not sure how that relates to your message this morning, but speaking of faith and speaking of faith getting us through the hard times, yeah. I used to f feel and think that if I admitted I was having difficulty and that I felt like going and laying in bed and just 
you know, not talking to anybody for five days, that that, that was doubt. That that was a lack of faith and clearly I was not strong in faith and I wasn't going to receive anything from God. Whereas I just went and laid in the bed. You just did it anyway and you, <laughs> you kept receiving from God and I kept sweating to try to receive from God and I wasn't receiving as much and so then I came to learn that it wasn't what I thought it was. Anyone else have, have anything they want to respond to on these questions? What defines a person of faith and would your life be much different if you didn't or couldn't have faith? Not many people have wanted to touch that one. Well, yeah, I don't know. Are you all seeing anything on Facebook that I'm not seeing? Okay, thank okay. you. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes, wait, oh, yes. we got one. Yeah, it's just a, a high <laughs> comment. Okay. All right. And hi, Fran. Good to see you. Good to see you. Yes, Fran is traveling. Normally, she's here in the sanctuary, our beloved Fran. Okay. All right. Well, we have a little something video for you here that we're going to play to introduce our new series. And the subtitle that I'm using for this series is Making Sense of a Crowded Field of Voices. There are so many voices today vying for our attention. Matt, this is recorded, and so I know your comments earlier were recorded. I am going to transcribe them. I thought Matt's introduction before he started uh, the worship time was just superlative. It was a perfect introduction to this because it is exactly what we are struggling with, especially now, and it keeps being ratcheted up. If, if you'll remember all the way back to the first quarter of 2020, we were told that our response to the coronavirus would take probably a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months. And that if we did the right things, and then we were told we might have to wear masks for a couple of weeks. And then that all of those dates kept, get, all those deadlines kept getting pushed back and all of a sudden was anybody amazed to look back on the fact that we hit December, rolled into January of a new year, 2021, and we were still masking, we were still social distancing, we were still kept from meeting in larger groups, so on and so forth. And this isn't just in America, this is across the world. This truly is a global pandemic. And I would submit to you that one of the things that has been hit the hardest, that's, that's taken the, the biggest punch is faith. Because faith has been stripped bare to what do we really believe? How do we trust? Where is God? Why didn't God fill in the blank, right? Why didn't God, right? 
And this may very well be a loss in your family or a loved one or a friend or that you fill in the blank. Why didn't God, the best man in my wedding, passed away of COVID? There's other church members and acquaintances who have passed away from COVID. Who could have imagined and where was God in the midst of all of this? So this is going to be a three-part series. It's not just about vaccines. It's about faith, foolishness, and I'm going to call it personal freedom. Today, we're going to talk about the average guy's faith. Next week, we'll talk about this, a different approach to vaccines and personal freedom. And then in the third message, we're going to talk about a life-giving way to move forward. All right? So here's the overarching purpose of this series. To illustrate how an average person can have a life-giving, dynamic relationship with Jesus apart from many of the religious notions of what constitutes faith. You ready? You know what I really want to do? I, 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 I want to free the inspired text of Scripture from delusional applications. <laughs> God help us. Faith. What is it? Everybody has a different definition. You may feel that it's an ardent persuasion about a set of religious beliefs. Another one feels that it's a deeply held conviction in a particular creed or organization. How about you? Do you identify with that one? I certainly have. That it's a very strong belief in God, that it's something I learn to do and then I have to correctly exercise and express. Oh, that was me. I mean, that was me upside down, inside out. Faith is something I learned and I learned it to do it correctly, and then I had to apply it correctly, and I had to live it correctly, and if I didn't, if you didn't, Tommy, you're shaking your head. You know what I'm talking about. Is faith a subconscious lifestyle that one commits himself to? Or is it something very active and alive, and I, it's, it's not just creeds and beliefs, but it's a living relationship? Oh, and oh, by the way, does God accept the faith of non-Christians? When a person says, I am a person of faith, do they mean, number one, I am conscious of and I have a commitment to a particular religious system of beliefs and moral values? Or are they saying, I rely on and trust Jesus explicitly with everything in my life. My personal, intimate relationship with him is more important than anything else in my life. Now, we're dealing with two other words, foolishness and presumption or a presumed freedom of choice, which I chose vaccines because it's such a, such a hot spot. 
easy for us to talk about personal choice or to bring the subject up if we're talking about vaccines because as you said Matt there is no greater area in today's society or world where personal freedom is being tested than with COVID vaccines. What a hot spot. So let's talk about some definitions here. How about the definition of foolishness first? Foolishness from Webster's Dictionary. Having or showing a lack of good sense, judgment, or discretion. Anybody ever been foolish? Here's presumption, a little more difficult. I wouldn't have just been able to throw out a definition upon first ask. Overstepping due bounds as of propriety or courtesy. Taking liberties. Another person said that being presumptuous is going beyond what is right or proper because of an excess of self-confidence and arrogance. And when it comes to faith and religion, I say amen. I, through my Christian growing up and being taught and mentored and going through Bible school, I was steeped in two aspects primarily regarding faith. It is something I learned to do and must learn to do correctly. And secondly, when I am full of faith, I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I forget the rest of the song, but a little nonsensical song based on the prophet, I believe, Isaiah, that we all learned because we knew that our faith was greater than anything, and if we only believed correctly and with enough self-confidence, it would happen. I mean, God has to answer. Let me give you some examples of foolishness that I myself, I have stood in the pulpit and taught. First, organizing people around fear and hate. And what I mean by this is that there's the we, they, that we're superior, our way of believing and thinking is superior, and so my politics are superior, all right? And if you don't believe like I do, well, then you need to correct the way that you believe. And I will fight. I will fight to see that correction come. Now, I didn't believe in violence, but I believed in, well, let me back up. I definitely believed in war. I didn't believe in just walking around and kicking people and hurting people and smashing people in the head or just doing nonsensical violent acts, but I definitely, I definitely believed in an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, bless God, you crossed me and I'm going to cross you with something else. But it's interesting how society, especially over the last couple of years, has been organized around fear. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You don't need to raise your hand, but do you identify with that at all? That fear and hate has become something by which we're now organizing whole groups of people. We're starting movements based on fear. Jesus' own disciples tried this. Luke chapter 9, verse 53 through 55. Here it is. 
But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. And so when James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven and burn them up? (laughs) Now some of you are laughing because you used to have faith in that scripture. I mean, faith in that process. I mean, that was your attitude. You were James, some of you were John. You prayed prayers that God, if necessary, wouldn't just unseat that person, but that he'd bring them to their death if necessary. Oh, come on. We talked about it last week, how that, you know, there's psalms where the psalmist prayed, Lord, dash the heads of their children against the rock. And there's Christians who have taken passages of Scripture like that ignorantly and prayed those back to the Lord thinking that they have a right to call down heaven's fire on those that don't agree with them. And notice the last sentence of our text or of our our verse here. Verse 55, but Jesus turned around and he rebuked them. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't imagine this went like like this, when he turned around and rebuked them. I, don't, I really don't see Jesus going, now come on, guys. That, that's a little strong. <laughs> I think Jesus whipped around. I think he pointed his finger at them, and I think he rebuked them in no uncertain terms and let them know they were out of place. That is not the nature of God, and I never want to hear that from you again. That's what I believe was in that single word, Greek word, rebuke. Secondly, here's another one. Building beliefs off literal interpretations of, quote, the word of God. I mean, if it says it, if it says it in my Bible, especially the King James translation, then every word of God is holy, it's God-breathed, it's, it's perfect, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, infallible, all right? It's inerrant. I mean the commas, where God put the commas. I mean, that is ignorance gone to seed. I'll give you an example of one. I've taught this from my pulpit. Mark's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 23 and 24. Have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatsoever he says. I heard this taught by a very popular faith teacher, and then I just took it, and I began to mimic it, and say the same things and repeat it. And here was the logic of it. Could we put the verse back up? He says, say it three times and believe it only twice. So how you say something is more important than even just believing it. You've got to believe it in your heart, but how you say it and the number of times you say it, that's going to determine whether your faith is strong enough to bring it to pass. This was taught, and I taught it because I mimicked what I heard and was mentored in. Look at it. 
Have faith in God, for surely I say to you, whoever says, count them with me, whoever says, that's number one, to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says, number two, will be done, he will have whatsoever he says. All right, compare that to how many times we're told to believe. I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt, there's number one, in his heart, but believes, there's number two, that those things he says will come to pass. Okay, so there was this, uh, I'll just call it sort of idiotic summarization of this passage that our faith confession was built on this word of God, this literal rendering of a word of God that we need to say it even more often than we believe it and it is the saying of it that makes it true and the saying of it that releases God's power and that's what, not what Jesus meant here at all. Now that's another message but I'm just pointing out some of the foolish kind of things that have come out that people have done with the Bible. Here's another one built on literal interpretations of the word of God. Jim, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It was the first three words. I'll never forget the teacher, the faith, word of faith teacher that I heard first teach this and then followed with a book. And then I began to preach it as well. The first three words in that verse. Now, faith is. So one of the outstanding principles of faith is that it's always now, it's never future. And faith isn't something in the past, faith is now. Faith is, not faith was, not faith is going to be, but faith is. So there was a whole teaching built around three words out of a verse that aren't repeated that way in every translation. You have to read that from certain translations to start with, number one. Number two, to take something that really in context is saying, now, I want to, okay, now, you realize there weren't chapter and verse back when the Bible, quote, was written, back when they penned these letters and these poems and these things that they wrote, these authors, they didn't know it was going to be collected into a Bible of 66 books. So he's flowing right out of chapter 10, quote, chapter, into chapter 11, which there were no chapter. He's like, you sit down and write a letter to a friend. And he's carrying the thought over, and he's just explained something in, quote, the previous verses, chapter 10, and he says, now, faith is, it had nothing to do with what makes faith faith or the concept. Now, there's truth in the fact that faith is now, that faith is something that we believe right now. We don't believe it's going to happen in the future. We accept from God. Part of our faith is, God, I believe you're going to do something right now in my life. There's preciousness to that, but there's also a lot of foolishness to it that the scripture just doesn't support. All right, here's a third area. 
praying for favors and the Santa God. Okay. God, I'm trusting you today when I go downtown. I believe there's going to be a parking spot right outside this. You've all done it. You've all done it. Lord, you know I'm running late. Now, what's, what's wrong with this picture already? Lord, you know I'm running late, and so I'm believing and trusting you that there's going to be a parking spot right where, right? We've all done it. <laughs> so I have a question for you. How many other people did God have to prevent from getting that parking spot? Maybe somebody even handicapped so that you could have it because you were running late. Oh, and since the handicapped person was trusting and believing God and prayed that morning, Lord, I need something close. You know I struggle with my wheelchair to get out of the car and I'm not going to have any help once I get there. Lord, would you get me a spot close? I wonder, did God listen to your prayer regarding the parking spot or the handicapped person's prayer? Well, you know, Pastor Jeff, it just had to do with faith. Maybe I had more faith than the person who was handicapped. Now, I want to point the finger at me because I used to teach this kind of stuff, and I want to say, Jeff, you're an idiot. How about this one? Your football. Your football team. You, you love football, right? You love football and sports. I mean, you, you were watching college ball yesterday. Ignoring me while we were, he was in my house, ignoring me watching college football, you know. <laughs> Which is actually kind of the other way around. <laughs> my daughter said, you know, we were sitting at dinner, the second dinner of, you know, they stayed overnight. And uh, we were having a second dinner. And she said, you know, this is interesting. He didn't talk the whole first dinner. And now he hasn't said a word the second dinner. <laughs> Yes, I'm, I know. My mother used to say that about me always. He doesn't talk. Does he talk to you? Does he ever say anything to you? And it's so true. It's just something. And I used to see this as something that God allowed me to pray for, that my football team would win. Now, it just never occurred to me. Do you suppose anybody's praying for the other team to win? It, right. It, you know, and I've thought that too. Well, so there's probably more people praying for the Broncos to win. And you know, oh, and here was another thought. I literally thought this, Matt. There's probably more Christians on the Broncos team than there are on the other football team. Come on, y'all. You're smiling at me, but you're not raising your hand saying, yeah, that was me. <laughs> you know you've thought these things. How about your favorite political candidate? Is the one running against your candidate? Do you suppose he's or she's getting any prayers from their supporter? Well, which one is God going to answer? Here's what Greg Boyd said regarding prayer recently, and I just love, love, love this idea. Quote, prayer is partnering with God to bring about a change that we both want. Me and God both want this. 
It's a reservoir of power that God sets aside for the purpose of advancing his kingdom. So in other words, dear ones, I'm not so sure God is as interested as I might be in my football team. I think maybe I should get up earlier, get ready faster, and get downtown so that I have time to drive around and look for a parking spot and be more diligent with my life instead of praying that God would get me a spot at the last minute right outside. God is not a Santa Claus. And there's lots of things that you might call the favor of God. And listen, don't, you needn't write, you needn't send me, you know, texts, bad texts or ugliness or anything like that because of what I'm saying. Because listen, my wife will tell you, and I think those who know me well will tell you, that I am a person of faith who believes in the favor of God and it is the favor of God that I am sitting here right now and even speaking to you from this platform with this equipment in this church building. Oh my gosh, the favor of God that had to flow and uh, to arrange all of this and make this possible. I believe in the favor of God. I do not believe that God is a Santa Claus. And I believe there's a lot of foolishness to the things that we apply literally to Bible verses with an expectation, we call it faith, that God will do it. And I'm not so sure that God is quite as interested in that as we are. Here's one difference I make between the parking spot that, oh, by the way, have you ever prayed that and then you got there and you're running late and there is no place to park? And then finally you pull into one of these spots that's like $25 for a half hour and you just do it because <laughs> you have to do it. I don't know about you, but I've done that many times. I've had to do that. Well, where was God? Why didn't God answer my prayer? You know what? I think God was far more interested in the relationship forming between Genesis Church and St. John's Church and that when COVID hit over a year and a half ago and St. John's Church had no screen, no projector, no audio equipment, no camera, no computers, and we were asset rich in all of that and experience, that God placed us together where we were able to put St. John's Church up on the internet. They did not miss a single service. They went from COVID-free, COVID no, no COVID, we were all wondering what in the world was going to happen in our lives and in our world with this thing called COVID, uh, to an edict that was issued, uh, we're not meeting in public anymore, all right? You cannot meet. You cannot go into the building. So from one Sunday to the next, they had to be on air. And God granted us, Genesis, and our church, the relationship necessary to facilitate that happening. Now, see, those are things I think God's really interested in. I think those are things that we can pray about and we can watch God's hand move with great favor. Well, I dare not, but I'm going to go ahead and just wade right into some things regarding COVID. Now, this message is not meant to be a complete address of the issue of COVID and personal freedom. Next week will be that, but I do want to touch on this. COVID foolishness and presumption and faith failures. 
I have been around the subject of faith and faith teaching and living by the quote word of God long enough to have a sense of, um, <clears throat> of how many were going to approach this issue of the vaccine. I happen to personally believe that there's nothing in the Bible regarding the vaccine. I happen to personally believe there's nothing in the Bible. This is not the position of our church or any of our elders or pastoral staff or leaders. This is my personal opinion. I happen to believe that there's nothing in the Bible about the coronavirus. But if you listen to some, even some teaching from pulpits, Boy, you would think that the Bible has all kinds of things to say about coronavirus and the vaccines. Now, we're going to address this in detail next week. But here's what I want to do today since I'm majoring on the subject of faith and foolishness. There's a church that I became familiar with through studying and reading that is a mega church over in France. When coronavirus first hit, the pastor stood up in his pulpit and flatly denounced it, said it was from the devil, that we were not going to mask, we are not going to social distance, bless God, we are going to take our stand against what the state is trying to do in coming against us as a church and a free Christian people, we have rights. And when the virus hits, if the virus happens to hit any one of us and attack our bodies, it will die and fall to the ground when it touches us because we're filled with God and filled with the Holy Spirit. Perhaps that was your thinking. Now, I'm not here to belittle that. But when I, what I want to tell you is this. Fast forward now some months into the pandemic and hundreds of people in this pastor's church, including him and his wife, got COVID. Not five people, not 10 or 25 people, hundreds of people got COVID in this man's church. He stood up one Sunday morning after a lot of press and barrage, as you can imagine, and ill will from the public, and he said, I want everybody in the public, in our community, and I'm standing here before our congregation and God to know I was wrong. I'm sorry. I repent. I was foolish. I was presumptuous. What I did and what I taught was not faith. And I take it back. And their church became a lighthouse for facilitating, you know, people getting vaccinated and spearheading uh, the movement to socially distance and to mask. And of course, people started wearing masks. And to be sure, there's people that left his church over it. Now, that is one instance. There's many. But I want to bring it closer to home. 
And I want to bring this example up because, number one, and I'm, I'm not poo-pooing on, on anybody's deal, and I'm not disparaging anybody. Each of these three that I'm going to bring out are well-publicized, well-known, not just inside the church of Jesus, but in the public and in the newspapers, on CNN and so forth. So here's the next one. And because I relate personally so strongly to the head of this ministry and to his school, I want to bring it up. Bill Johnson in Redding, California, and the Bethel, Bethel Church. They also have a school of ministry, Bethel School of Ministry. Now, of course, early on, they took a similar kind of stand to what I just described about the French church. Until over 175 people, I think the number were actually around 225 people, in the Bethel School of Ministry got COVID. Right? I love Bill Johnson. I think he's one of the most profound teachers. Uh, I love many of the things that come out of Bethel ministry. I don't agree with everything, but I'm not somebody else's judge. But I'm highlighting something. Here's what I want to say about it. If there is a ministry in the United States that believes in faith and the supernatural and God's ability to heal, this idea that somehow your faith prevents the coronavirus from touching you or bringing ill to you or your family is wrong. It is not how you should use your faith. It is not what your faith is for. And, and it is not right for you to use your faith to disparage what is uh, being asked of us by governmental authorities and by the medical community. But that's the way they started until hundreds of their students got this virus and they had to do an about face as well. Bethel and Reading. Now I'm going, to, I'm going to bring it home even closer to one more time. Because this is a person who wrote a book entitled, you might guess, Faith, Foolishness, and Presumption. He is probably the first speaker I ever heard speak on the subject of faith. In fact, I was in a church service with him and another big uh, minister who, after he taught on the subject of healing, the other minister stood up and said, you know what, we're going to dismiss here shortly, and as you're going home, I just want to tell you, I'd be embarrassed to leave here sick because this message was so gripping, so powerful, so faith-filled, we, we knew God would heal us, okay? Now, this person wrote the manual on faith. They're also the first person I heard teach on Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, now faith is. So they wrote the book, Faith, Foolishness, and Presumption, and they were the first person I heard ever teach on Hebrews 11, 1. Fred Price died of COVID January 15th. Excuse me. February 15th of this year. Is it possible, could it be 
that we have misdefined what faith is really all about and what it's for? I believe faith should be celebrated, lived, enjoyed, walked in and breathed. It is the essence of everything that we have that's real and alive because it all starts with that in a certain sense. But I want to read you a qualifier. This is, I believe, this is my take, this is what I believe to be the definition from the Bible, from the Scripture of faith. You ready? Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 12. We have confidence and access to God in Him, Christ, in full assurance, there's your confidence, through His faithfulness. Not mine. His faithfulness. Watch this. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I am, however, alive. But it isn't me any longer. It's the Messiah who lives in me. And the life I do still live in the flesh, I live within the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Whose faith is it? It's not my faith. I'm not celebrating that I've learned how to do faith the right way. I celebrate his faithfulness. And Nina, you quoted like the paramount verse. Even when I am faithless, Jesus remains faithful. Does that guarantee that I won't get the coronavirus? But if I do, I will trust him through it and the outcome because it's not my faith even. It's his faithfulness. And every time you read in Christ or in faith in Christ, have faith in Christ in the Pauline letters, it is not your faith in Christ. It is the Greek phrase the faithfulness of Christ. All right. I believe we need to lighten up. <laughs> I know this got a little heavy this morning. And some of what I'm going to end with won't help that, but we need to lighten up because we are, of all people, most judgmental, critical, mean-spirited, dogmatic, inflexible, unbending, inconsiderate, and an unkind group of people. We, 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 we so often are. I say to you, dear church, and those of you that are watching by live stream, I hope it's a whole crowd. You can be filled with conspiracy or compassion, fear or faithfulness. You choose. Now, I don't know about you. I prayed for our president and his administration over the past weeks regarding Afghanistan. I don't agree with many of the things that I saw or that I read about, but I prayed. I mean, I'm not just saying I prayed. I prayed for our president and I prayed for his administration during this issue and the ongoing issue with Afghanistan. Why? Because I'm just not a conspiracy kind of guy. 
I refuse to build my life on fear. God has not called us to judge the world. Our calling isn't to defend the veracity of the Bible or to take up the mantle of gatekeepers of morality or politic. We are not warriors. We are not demon hunters. We are not ambassadors of success and wealth. God has called us as the body of Christ to demonstrate his love, his goodness, and healing on the earth. We are God's kingdom on earth, the visible expression of his cruciform love. Jeff, I'll forego the rest. We're going to serve communion at this time. Would you please do your best? Matt is going to come. He's going to just uh, have a song here for us while you at home and via live stream are preparing the communion elements of the bread and the juice. We are going to be passing it out here while Matt shares this song. And then we're going to celebrate communion and we're going to pray. I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Every single that tells me I will never measure Am I more than just the sum of every high and every low? Remind me once again just who I am because I need
you, Matt. Well, everybody, sometimes it's, it, it's hard for me to segue because I'm so caught in the subject matter and I think, wow, Jesus, with that song, it really is just all about who he is, about his faithfulness. It's not about my faith. God spare us the presumption and the foolishness, but it's not about our faith. It's his faithfulness. So as we take the bread this morning, what are we doing? We're recognizing his faithfulness to heal us, his faithfulness to deliver us out. Let's take and eat. Thank you, Lord, for your body. And then in the same night in which he took the bread, he took the cup and after giving thanks, he said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, the new covenant, not referring to a Bible, referring to a relationship. That is what is most precious about faith. That's where we're going for message number two and number three in this series. So as we take this now, here's what I want you to dwell upon and be thankful for. God began a relationship with you. Not even on your own merit or doing when you were in sin and running from him. God began a relationship with you just because he loves you. And he sealed the deal. And it will never change. No matter where you go, what you do, or how far away from him you, you run or try to run. Let's take and drink the, the blood of the Lord. We have prayers this morning that we're going to pray. Um, and then Nina's going to make a couple of announcements. I could not have known at the beginning of the year the significance of the prayers that we're about to pray. The Lord gave me three of them. I have substituted another for one of the three that we'll get to. But here's the first one. It'll be on the screen. And could I ask everybody that's watching by live stream and all of you in the sanctuary, would you please look at the screen now and pray this right out loud as our uh, symphony to what we've heard today and our closing of our service. Ready? Let's read. Your word is an encounter. We ask you for regular encounters which challenge us to see differently as you see, not as ones bound up by religious teachings, evangelical dogma, fear and guilt, or any other compromise. Here's prayer number two. Make us less certain about the things of which we are certain and more open to the possibilities we do not yet see. And then I've substituted a new prayer for prayer number three here that I just found beautiful. Uh, a blogger, a young blogger who wrote this this week. Let's pray it. God, would you guide us towards the practice of goodness May we make room to practice and notice the things that bring us joy. Keep us open. Heal us. 
bring beauty and give us rest in this tired and heartsick, gorgeous and good old world. Did we not have that one available? Yeah, we oh, have there it. it is. There it is. Yeah, leave it up there for just a moment. Hey, Lisa, would you do me a favor? I forgot my cell phone and just grab that for me. Thank you. Hey, we're going to pray again in just a minute for any prayer requests. If you have prayer requests, thanks to Lisa, I will have my cell phone and you can uh, send your prayer requests. Thank you, honey. Send them to 720-878-3323. If you that's, have any prayer requests, please right. go ahead and text it now. So listen, I really don't have any new announcements today. Uh, we want to remind you and, and I want to thank you for your giving, your tithes, your offerings, especially if you believe that Genesis is feeding you and uh, is a place that you belong. We thank you for your tithes and your offerings. If you're here in the sanctuary, you can just take them back to that basket in the back. There are offering envelopes out there if you want a record for your giving, or you can go online to genesiscc.net and go to the donate page, or you can text to give at 720-730-8510, and you can uh, go ahead and allocate those funds as you would like to do. So we're going to pray here, and let me just, so far I see no new prayer requests. Uh, I just want to mention um, we've had some good praise reports this week. Laura, who we prayed for, and she was so sick with COVID, and her son and husband, they are well, they are back to life, kind of have some, as some people do, kind of some ongoing, got to get rid of a few things, but they're good. Um, Georgiana, Michael's sister, did not have COVID. She's back home. Everything's good there. Um, and I believe there was a third woman. I apologize. I don't remember what it was in particular. Doug Cooper. Thank you. Yes, Doug Cooper, who was, went to the ER with COVID. He couldn't walk that morning, and they were concerned. And then he got there, and they did what they did. He was dehydrated, and they sent him home. So, And, they, and I just did connect with Diane last night, and they are all doing better. So... We do have a new COVID request. As of this morning, I received a text from Michelle, who is one of our bingo players. And uh, she had just returned to bingo. I'm going to tell the story. She had just returned to bingo two weeks ago. We hadn't seen her in a year because she'd had back surgery. And, and they were going to come to church, she and her husband, the next Sunday. Well, this morning she texted me. Right, that like the day after she was at Bingo, she went on a follow-up appointment for her back. And then I don't know when this was, a day or two later, they got a call that her doctor had COVID. And sure enough, she and her husband caught COVID. Oh, my goodness. So he is in a regular room at the hospital right now. She's in ICU. She did text me back this morning and say that they're hoping, they're expecting him to be able to go home in a couple of days and have told her they're hoping for her to be able to go home in a couple of weeks, so we're glad to hear that. But we certainly want to pray and agree and, uh, for her healing. We want to pray for Carol, our Carol, who had some problems this weekend with an ongoing uh, chronic illness that she's faced. For, and we just want to keep praying for you. Let me see if I have any other prayer requests. I do not. Let's see if there's anything coming through on Facebook. Anyone see anything? Well, I didn't see this. And Kathy, I apologize. Uh, it's not a prayer, but it was a comment to the questions. Okay. And uh, because she sent it through the website and I wasn't logged in there. 
but uh, she says, if I couldn't have faith, I would constantly be afraid, I'd have no hope, I'd be totally lost, dealing with everything within my own humanness, if that is a word, I would not be confident. Amen. I think, Debbie, when you were saying, well, it's everything, faith is everything, I, I think that's what you were, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Lord, let's pray together. Lord, we do come to you in faith in you, and we thank you for your faithfulness to Michelle and to Glenn this morning, for your faithfulness to Laura and her family, your faithfulness to the Cooper family, your faithfulness Mm -hmm. to Georgiana and uh, that situation, Jesus. Mm. And we thank you for seeing people through and, and to Carol, your faithfulness to Carol mm-hmm. and seeing these people through their situations and bring, bringing them peace, bringing them peace of heart, bringing them answers and solutions, Lord Jesus. And as Jehovah Rapha, their doctor, mm-hmm. you are their doctor. And then, Father, I also want to lift up the these worldwide issues we have been facing these past months with the earthquakes in Haiti and the flooding in New Orleans and in the Northeast and then, of course, the situation in Afghanistan and then, of course, our, the COVID that continues to uh, make its way around. And we're asking you, Father, for hope for people, for mm-hmm. deliverance for people. We're asking you, Father, for solutions. Yeah. And again, we pray for governments and leaders mm-hmm. um, who, to have God ideas on how to resolve these things and see people through, get the electricity back on, et cetera, et cetera. I ask you for people who aren't in government to have ideas, Lord Jesus. We ask you for that, to have ideas about how to uh, save people in Afghanistan and how to deliver people. Uh, who have lost things from the flooding and the earthquakes, Lord. And, and Father, for those who have lost loved ones through these horrible tragedies, Lord Jesus, uh, only you know how to comfort. Only you know how to bring hope. And we're asking you for hope and comfort and direction for those who have lost loved ones, who have lost loved ones through COVID, Lord Jesus. Thank you. That you're a very big God. You are a big God. And so while these things are too big for us, they are not too big for you. And we hope and trust in you today. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. We're going to say goodbye to those of you that have been watching us via the live stream. And as we do, I just want to say I want a couple of people who will accompany me to go over and pray for Carol. I've been thinking about this for a couple of weeks. She's here and she uh, hasn't had the responsibilities this morning of singing, and so I think this would be a perfect time. I want to lay hands on her and pray for her this morning. We're going to go ahead and say goodbye to our live stream audience and not keep you any longer, and uh, a couple of you that feel led of the Holy Spirit to uh, assist me in laying hands on Carol, if you would. Barb, if we have any oil anywhere, um, Nina says that she does, then I would like to have oil as well because the scripture talks about anointing with oil.